Welcome to the Civil Engineering Podcast, the podcast focused on helping civil engineering professionals succeed by exposing them to interesting civil engineering projects and successful civil engineering professionals around the world. Hosts Anthony Fasano and Christian Knudsen had successful but unconventional civil engineering careers and now focus on helping civil engineering professionals achieve their goals in work and life. Welcome to the Civil Engineering Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Fasano, and this is the podcast specifically for civil engineers who want to succeed. Today's episode was a special one for me. I got to tell you, it was one of the episodes that I've done that I've enjoyed the most out of the many episodes I've done. I had a conversation with Bob Mora, who is from New Orleans. He has a small engineering company called Batcher Engineering, depends on how you want to say it. And he gets into the pronunciation and the meaning behind the name. But really, it was a fascinating conversation about how he's trying to build a company with this amazing culture of just positivity, helping the world. You know, they did a ton of pro bono work, but yet they're still building a lot of revenue. And he left a company and started this probably too early and found a partner. There's so many different avenues to the conversation that we had and his philosophy, which was really, really, I thought, powerful. And I'm excited to share this interview with you. So before we get into the interview with Bob, I do want to take a moment to recognize our sponsor for today's episode, PPI. Listen up later on in the podcast for my advice on how to advance your career in 2018. I'll be sharing info on where to find practical tips and time-tested resources for your civil engineering licensure exam, including an exclusive 20% discount available only to our listeners. So don't miss that. I also just want to mention that we have completed the name change that we were going through and our company, the Engineering Career Coach, is now officially named the Engineering Management Institute. I'm really excited about it. Uh, we made the name change because we've been so focused on helping engineers become more effective managers and powerful leaders. It's really had an impact on everything we're doing. And so I wanted it to really represent who we are. And so the name change is done. The website is new. It's engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. And if you go to the training page there, You'll see some upcoming events that we have going on. We've taken our online engineering management accelerator workshop, which has done very well. It's been very popular. We're still doing that. And the next one starts in April, which is at engineer2tomanager.com. But then we've also adapted it to a one-day live workshop. We're doing it in Austin, Texas, April 12th. We are doing it in central New Jersey, April 27th. And we're doing it in Orlando, Florida, May 18th. And they're all on the website at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org on the training page. And there's flyers and websites for every event. So you can try to potentially seek reimbursement from your firm. They also include PDHs in, in most states. So please check that out because I'd love to get to meet some of our listeners and help you engineer that success you're looking for in your career. All right. So now I want to introduce our guest for today's civil engineering conversation. And Bob Mora is someone that I've known for a while now. It's probably been around five or six years. We actually met through LinkedIn. He bought my book some years ago, and we've become friendly ever since. He was a member of our private community. He's just a great guy. Bob has over 15 years of experience in land surveying and civil engineering, providing civil design services for both private developers and municipalities. He has successfully managed and completed projects for the Sewerage and Water Board, the Department of Public Works in New Orleans, the Regional Planning Commission, the Orleans Levy Board, and St. Bernard Ascension and Plaquemines Parishes. 
As a sub-consultant for the Army Corps of Engineers, Bob managed the construction of over $100 million of flood protection, earning a Certificate of Appreciation for Exceptional Achievement from the Hurricane and Storm Damage Risk Reduction System Mission. Bob's a native of New Orleans. He graduated from LSU with a degree in civil engineering and land surveying. He's the past president and an active member of the New Orleans chapter of Engineers Without Borders, helping engineers identify pro bono opportunities both locally and around the globe. He's also on the steering committee of the Greater New Orleans Water Collaborative, which promotes best practices for regional water management. So with that, I'm going to go right into this interview because it's a little bit longer than usual. We got into a lot of deep stuff around philosophy of building a company and, and your career, and I hope that you enjoy it. Here it is. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. And now I'd like to welcome Bob Mora from Batcher Engineering to the Civil Engineering Podcast. Bob, welcome. Hey, Anthony. So Bob and I have known each other for quite a while now. We got connected, I think a while ago through, I think Bob got my book. We connected on LinkedIn and he's been a member of our community. We met at a, some of the events we had and he was helpful in our New Orleans event. So Bob, just to kind of set the scene for everyone, tell everyone a little bit about your your civil engineering background and your focus. Okay, I uh, I graduated with a degree in civil engineering in 2003, and I, I grew up in New Orleans. And so after I went to LSU, graduated, moved back to New Orleans, and began my career uh, working with a small local firm in New Orleans. And then we had in 2005 we had a um, a hurricane that people are probably familiar with that really changed the landscape of the engineering profession in New Orleans. So I bounced around at some different firms at that time, and ultimately 2014 opened the Bachelor Engineering, and been doing that now for about three years. I'd say this October was the third year that we were up and running. And it's been great. I, I brought on a business partner last November, and we're up to seven people total right now. Mm, that's amazing. That's great. Congratulations on that. So, Bob, one thing to mention here that I think is important that, that I want to add in here is talk about your experience with surveying. So I also, I graduated, I had a some additional coursework in land surveying, and that's something that I became interested in, you know, at the time when I was in school, I wasn't even 100% sure that I was going to pursue a career in engineering. Um, and then one summer after taking a land surveying class, uh, the teacher said he could give me a job with a company in New Orleans. I did that during the summer. And so I became very interested in land surveying. I enjoyed that work as a young person. Being able to work outside was really appealing to me. You know, I'm a person that I don't like to be inside 40 hours a week. It kind of drives me a little bit crazy. And at the same time that I worked at that company, also I went to uh, one of the meetings in town for the surveying professionals in New Orleans. And I noticed at that meeting that there just seemed to be a big age gap. Like the majority of the people at the meeting were in their 50s and 60s. And I was a 21-year-old kid. And so I saw that opportunity that I was just like, somebody, you know, somebody's got to do this survey and work and there's not going to be many people around doing it. And I just identified that as an opportunity to differentiate myself and also, you know, to, to do well from a business standpoint and just from a marketing myself standpoint of having sort of a unique skill set that was going to be in demand and um, that you'd have a little gap right there. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think the reason that I mentioned it is, well, obviously it's a critical component of Bob's career, but I think also what I like to talk to engineers a lot about is trying to differentiate yourself and trying to build some expertise that can help you succeed, whether it's with a firm or on your own, like Bob is now. I mean, he's had success in both scenarios. And I think in large part is because he added that second skill set and knowledge around surveying that's extremely valuable, especially in his geographic region. And so that's something that, you know, we can touch on a little bit more. So Bob, you started your own firm and you've been very successful with it, but let's go back in time a little bit because I know for you, you know, one of the things we're focusing on this month is talking a little bit about building confidence because it's something I think that can hold engineers back, whether they, they want to be successful in their, in a firm, in a larger firm, or they want to own their own business. But why don't we go back to when did you think that you might want to start your own business at some point? I think at a, at a pretty young age. I mean, I think from the first time I had a job working somewhere, I sort of had in my mind that I thought I could do it better than the person I worked for, I guess a little bit, or I just, or I just had maybe unique ideas about, I was just always thinking about that bigger picture of how the business runs, how it makes money and, you know, what could be done differently. And a lot of that was instilled in me uh, by my dad, you know, he's an accountant and he works with a lot of businesses, but that was, you know, he would get me jobs during the summer and it was always sort of at the end of the summer, we'd have like a sit down talk about, just the perspective that I had gained, you know, he would sort of ask me about how much money I made and like, just sort of like what I thought about that business, what they could do differently. And it gave me the perspective too, of like, you know, when you're young and you work for a summer, you make a little bit of money. He would say, well, it seems like you made a lot of money, but imagine doing that job for the next 40 years and imagine not living at my house and not having all your meals paid for by me. You know, is it really enough money <laughs> for, for you to, enjoy the, you know, the standard of living that you would like. Right. That's great. So he challenged you to think about things like that, like your financial well-being, basically at a young age, which I think is powerful and very helpful. So, so you had these ideas early on. Now, even though you didn't start your business probably right when you had these ideas, or maybe even it was years later, were there things that you did like after you had these ideas to start to prepare, even though you knew you it wouldn't be like soon? per se? Yes. I'd say when I made choices on what companies I wanted to work for, they were, it was for very specific reasons. You know, I wanted to develop a very specific skill that I thought would be needed when I opened the company, whether that was a technical skill or sales or marketing, but I'd always be looking for roles that I knew would benefit me in the future. And so I, I kind of, to a certain extent, was not really focused on salary. It was just more of a focus on upward mobility and, and just opportunity. You know, like I would take less money to work someplace if it was going to give me the opportunity to do, to do something that I specifically wanted to get better at. Yeah, that's great. And I think what you're hearing from Bob there is that he had a goal and he was trying to do whatever he thought would help him get closer to that goal and that was the most important thing. So, you know, where I think in some cases people might have been be lured to a job that would pay you more money, or maybe you work for a company that had more of a high profile reputation. Whereas in Bob's case, he was just really focused on, knew he wanted to start his own company. So he was trying to pick up roles that would help move him closer to that and make him better at that when he eventually did that. Now, 
couple things about Bob that I want to mention because Bob probably won't mention them is first of all, he's a dynamite networker. I think he probably knows everybody in New Orleans, every single person that lives there for the most part. So he's really good at that. And he's also, as you can probably tell already, he's very calm, probably one of the more calm civil engineers that I know. And, and I'm, I'm sure that those couple of skill sets have come in handy for Bob through his building his business. So Bob, maybe you could talk about networking a little bit and, you know, relationship building. Cause I know it's something that, I mean, it seems to come relatively easy to you. You just seem to like get along well with people. And I'm just wondering if there was anything you did specifically or it was something that came to you easily. Um, I think a lot of it, that's maybe something that people just see the result. And so people like to make their own story. And so I've kind of dealt with that. You know, if I put a lot of work in to do something and people, some people would have that comment that, well, it just looks like it's easy for you. And I think that's just sort of someone's perception. You know, you know what I mean? Like sure. people like to have a narrative. Well, it's easy for you. So that's why I can't do it, I think. Right. And so, I mean, I dealt with that. And I was not like some great athlete, but I would do sports and people would give me that comment. Well, it looks easy. Like you're running the race. It doesn't look like you're working that hard. And it's just like, well, I am working hard. I'm running every day, like working hard. You you know, you don't see that part. So I don't know. I I, I wouldn't say, I think part of what makes things easier for me is like, I enjoy, I enjoy the process uh, more than the result. You know, I'm, I'm really not that interested in the result. I like to sort of set course towards something, but you know, I enjoy the process to get there uh, more so than the, the final result of it. And you do make it look easy. And I know that, but I do know that you do a lot of work in, in regards to networking because we've spoken about a lot of the groups that you're involved in and the things that you do in the community, which is great. So, but would you say that your philosophy is kind of, you do something consistently and like, it's going to end up okay. In other words, like you focus on the process and the habits and the other stuff works itself out. Yeah. And I focus on what's going to be more enjoyable for me, you know, what's going to allow me to impact other people the most. And I, and at a certain point, I, I just assume stuff will work itself out. You know what I mean? At a certain point, I just give up control Right. at a certain point. You know, I, I do the best I can do and I accept the results is basically my, my philosophy. So it's not, I know we wanted to talk about confidence. Like, I don't really think of it as that I had the confidence to open a company, but I was confident that I wanted to open a company is sort of the way I think about it. And, and I knew that if I didn't do it, I would, I would regret that. And, and you know what I mean? So that's just maybe more of a life philosophy, I guess, that let stuff take care of itself. When one of your guiding principles in life is to do things that you enjoy more than things that you don't, I think in general, you become confident in certain things because when you're good at doing something, I mean, you're typically confident in it. I know I am. If I think I can coach or speak effectively, then I'm really confident that I can go and do a good job in it. Not to say that none of these things come without work because they all do. But I think to Bob's point, there's things you can do that you like a lot or things that you don't like. And if you try to steer more towards doing things that are enjoyable for you, I think it helps you to be able to do them more effectively. So all that being said, you are very reserved, Bob. You seem calm. You seem to stay calm through whatever happens. You don't seem to let things get you too flustered or anything, which I know is probably a really great trait to have as a business owner, being that there can definitely be ups and downs. Is that another thing that you work at or is it like, 
how do you stay so calm all the time unless we're just not seeing the other times? I think it's just, again, that philosophy of, you know, overreacting to something is not going to change what's happening. You know, it's just going to change your perception of it. So it's really just keeping that perspective that things are like not that important. You know what I mean? Like, like the things that we get excited about and that we get worked up about are typically things that are just out of our control anyway. Right. You know, so if I think we're going to get this big contract with this company, we don't get it. We just didn't get it. Like, like there's not really a point of me getting worked up about it or getting angry about it or getting excited about it because it just it's actually going to probably make it worse if I get if I get excited right. about it. So it's just sort of move, move on to the next thing. And, and I think the other part, too, is when we talk about sort of enjoying the work, it's also like learning to enjoy different parts. Like, you know, you might not immediately enjoy doing something, but it's sort of you can through consistency, sort of find enjoyment in it and, and knowing that it's a necessity and maybe long-term that you transition it to where someone else at the company can do it, that's better suited for it, that does naturally enjoy it more. But it's just, it's kind of like finding that level of contentness, you know, like I sort of like look to be content right. with everything uh, more so than being super happy about this one thing and like unhappy about this other thing. And, and, and that's, you know, one of my old bosses, once I opened this company and I, and I talked to him about owning a company, he, he, he described it so beautifully. He just said, basically, it's the exact same thing as working at a company, except the highs are just much higher and the lows are much lower. You know, you're just sort of not like as an employee, you're sort of buffered from stuff. You might hear about it. You might hear that, oh, we didn't get that big contract and maybe it causes you a little bit of stress as an employee. But as an owner, it's like more stressful and vice versa. It's more happiness when you get the big contract and but essentially you're doing the same thing you would do as an employee as a good employee i guess would be a better way to describe right so before we get into your business and, and talking about how that's gone i just want to talk about a couple more things first of all let's get back to networking for a minute i mentioned that in my opinion i know that you do network a lot and you have a lot of relationships but when you hear the term networking or your philosophy on networking when someone says networking, what do you think about? I just think of relationship building and trying to add value. I think a lot of people get misconstrued in the fact that they think I'm going to go net, I'm going to go to this event and network this weekend and it's going to be like an immediate result. Like I'm going to meet a person and get work out of it immediately. And sometimes it could work that way. I mean, you know, the important relationships are relationships, you know, your the important clients and the important people that that lead to the, you know, the substantial revenue are in very real relationships that are not built by just showing up at an event and giving a business card. And I think just changing your perspective of like, you know, trying to give stuff to other people and figuring out how you can help them listening to them versus trying to sell what you do immediately, like trying to sort of, oh, you have a problem? Well, that, oh, that sounds like you need a survey, right? right. Like some people sort of try to turn the problem into what they do best or what they, you know, what's most going to produce the most revenue for their company. So it's like you have this, coincidentally, you have the problem that we're selling the solution for. And so we just think about it differently. We just think of it like long-term relationships so as a company. That's how we really decide who we want to work with. It's not necessarily like revenue driven. It's driven, you know, you're going to spend a lot of time with people. And so it's like, who do we want to spend time with? Who do we, you know, where can we make the most impact on the environment and on society? And, you know, what's, what's going to be the most enjoyable for 
the owners and the employees, like as far as the people that, that we would be dealing with on a regular basis. Now, Bob, would you say that networking for you is kind of like just a way of life? Cause it seems to me like that mentality that you explained about giving value to people is kind of just what you do on a regular basis. Yes. Yeah. I'd say it's definitely a way of life because a lot of times as well, I have that philosophy of, you know, you want to find that niche, you want to be unique. And so if you go to an engineering conference, like you're not unique, it's uh, 300 other engineers there. Whereas if you happen to be at a totally different type of event and you're the only engineer there, you know, maybe a large percentage of the time, nothing comes up that it requires an engineer, but the time it does, you're the only one there, or you're the only engineer that the people in within this group know. So they call you. And again, it's about adding value. Like they might call you and you might not be the right type of engineer or the right company, but you send them to the right company. And that's like building the network. You know what I mean? Like you can almost build a relationship faster by sending somebody to a more appropriate company to work with them versus doing it yourself. Like I find that's like sort of one of those shortcuts to really build a strong relationship by like really demonstrating that somebody calls me and they, and they say, I need a survey. And I say, well, no, I don't like, I'm looking into it. You don't need one. Like don't spend your money on that. Right. That's like a little bit of a trick to sort of like fast forward the relationship and, and make it stronger in a shorter period of time. Build trust. It's really just getting outside of yourself and your own, you know, we very much all live in our own world and just practicing sort of getting outside of yourself and seeing things from other people's perspective and just taking that approach of, you know, what can I do to help you? And sometimes it's not even work related. It's simply, you know, it can be a very small thing that like, hey, I need somebody to fix an air conditioning and you happen to know somebody and he does it. They do a good job fixing the person's air condition and then they feel like, well, then you're a reliable person that they can trust. No, that's great. And I, I really like that idea of having it as a philosophy because I feel like one of the challenges for engineers around networking is they feel like it's something they have to do and they feel like, you know, they have to turn it on and off. And I think that that's a really bad approach because if networking is building relationships, it's not something you should just do when you feel like doing it. It's pretty much what our whole life is about. So I really like the idea of giving value to people whenever you can. I mean, I think it makes for just a happier experience for, for all parties involved. Also, Bob, one other thing I wanted to ask you about was I know you had started a mastermind group locally. And for those of you not familiar with a mastermind group, a mastermind group is essentially a group of people that get together and meet on a regular basis with the idea of helping each other grow. Just kind of along the lines we were just talking about, adding value to each other, bring different perspectives to the table. And you know, I had done some stuff online and Bob had reached out to me because he wanted to try to pull something together in New Orleans for people to meet. And I think you did end up starting one at some point, right, Bob? Yes. Yeah, we did. What was your goal in doing that? So I guess I had an immediate goal of I had opened the company and the company was just me. And so I, I, mean, I was used to working at other companies and sort of having people and not even so much for technical ideas. I'm a like to be around people. So not, not even just for like technical questions, but just for networking type of questions and just that company of some other engineers. So that was sort of like the immediate reason that I wanted to do it. And really for these other people to help push me because I didn't have anybody at that time at the company to bounce ideas off of and to, you know, if I might have an idea and I'm lacking in confidence, 
it's nice to have somebody to throw the idea to make sure that maybe I'm just overthinking it or whatever. So that was my original thought. And then the other thought was just, you know, to build a deeper relationship with a group of engineers in New Orleans that that I kind of knew them all. Some of us didn't know each other, but um, just a chance for us to help each other, really. I mean, that, that was the thought process. Now, just for point of reference, is it like, was it four or five people, like a handful of people? It's a total of five people. Okay. And then we had five people. We all worked at different companies. We're all civil engineers, but we all do different type of civil engineering. You know, nobody's really in the same. Gotcha. You know, it's like a structural person, a geotech person. You know, everybody does a little bit different. So the idea as well, like our goal was to help each other get work for the companies we worked at. And so that if somebody needed a structural engineer, then I would send them to the structural engineer in our group. And, and really, you know, we all liked each other and for us to become better friends. So it was like, we want to be better friends, but we wanted to like work together. Everybody was relatively young. So the, the goal as well was just sort of like, let's find opportunities for our companies to work together. Because at that point, then we're getting paid to hang out with our friends, you know, right. which is... <laughs> Comes back to enjoyment. Right. And, and we've been pretty <laughs> successful. I mean, again, we all worked at different companies. Some of us have worked together on projects. One of the members I've actually hired, she works at my company now. So that's kind of made it sort of an interesting. We, we haven't had a meeting since. Um, we haven't all met up since she started working with me. Um, so I'm hoping that doesn't totally change the dynamic of the group, but I don't, I don't think it will. Hmm. And um, But yeah, we've all... We've definitely submitted proposals together with other people's companies as consultants, other people. So we're sort of carving out those opportunities for, for ourselves. So you started the company back in 2014. Before we get into the dynamic of that, let's talk about the name of the company, which is Batcher Engineering, correct? Correct. Tell us about that, what it means, what it represents, because it's, it's very interesting. So my wife does marketing and graphic design. And so I actually worked with, she has a copywriter that we've worked with. And so I threw a few names at him and I, and I was pretty explicit that I was like, I don't want to name the company myself. Like I don't want to be like Bob Mora Engineering because I thought that really limited the ability for the company to become what I wanted it to become. You know, I didn't want it to be like a, a dictator of this, like everyone asked me what to do. I wanted it to everyone to have a sense of ownership. And just from a marketing and branding standpoint, I wanted a name that could also be used. And so we came up with Batcher. We had some other terms we were looking at, but we thought Batcher fit really nice. First thing about it was it's somewhat of a local term for New Orleans. Like people in New Orleans would know exactly what Batcher means. For those that don't, it's a French term, and it's referring to, if you think of a, a large river, particularly the Mississippi River in New Orleans, you know, the, the water level fluctuates throughout the year. When all the snow melts, the water gets high. The other time of year, the water is low. And so there's this strip of land that is kind of constantly evolving. You could go out there, and the river could be a mile away. And then you go out there another time of year, and the river is like two feet away. And so that strip of land is called Batcher Land. And so that's why we chose that name because it ties into the work that we do. You know, we do a lot of work with water management, you know, dealing with flooding and stuff like that in New Orleans. And so it's like we're always working right on that edge of kind of where the water is meeting the land anyway. You know, we have done a few projects on the actual Batcher. And so we just thought it was a neat term. And there were some 
some things we could tie into it from a um, like a symbolic standpoint. Sort of this idea too that we're historically that was an area in New Orleans where people from out of town would arrive. You'd arrive by the river, or if you left town, that's where you would leave. And so, like from a big picture, we kind of think of it like I'm the only person. Well, me, I have one employee that's from New Orleans. I'm from New Orleans. The other five people at our company all grew up in other cities. And so we kind of think of it like New Orleans is a port city. So we're sort of importing talent. And then long term, we want to export talent around the world, sort of bringing our expertise to the rest of the world. It's a really interesting and obviously pretty deep name. And especially for those locally that can really, really connect with that, which is great. So then talk about just in general, the beginning. I mean, it's been a few years now. It sounds like things are going well. You're, you have seven people, which for an engineering firm to grow like that in a few years, I think is great, especially when sometimes in the civil world, things can be seasonal from time to time and, and whatnot. Some things depend on other things. Take us through the first kind of year to start. You started it when it was just you, correct? It was just me. And I had one employee that was working with me good friend of mine. And so he was very flexible as far as when he needed to be paid and how much he needed to be paid. So he was very generous and helped me out. I mean, it was just just hustling. It was any any type of work we could get and just trying to spend the least amount of money, you know, make make do with an old laptop that I had. No office yet, right? No office, just working out of the house just hustling in every way that we could, you know, trying to just spend, spend absolutely the least amount of money we could, you know, get insurance, get, get everything that we needed to, to get, but then just build up just money and, and try to build a clientele and just do excellent work. I and mean, just let it, you know, that was essentially our marketing was I had a few resources I would reach out to and try to, and try to line up work. But then we still, to this day, think of our marketing as like our work is, how we're marketing, you know, like the deliverables need to look great. The client needs to be very satisfied because we're so new. Like we almost can't afford to do bad work because we're so new. So it's right. like if we if we do bad work, then then we're going to be a hundred percent associated with the bad work. So we have to do good work, you know, and that that's really more important than than profits to us. All the employees, we tell them you need to do great work. If we don't make money, like that was our fault where we priced the job wrong. We can't by any means put out bad work and then use the price that we gave as the reason for doing bad work, which, you know, we've seen, I've seen people do that. So so that's the one thing we tried to avoid. Yeah, for sure. After about a year, you know, we had a successful first year and really my only goal the first year was to make, I was like, I need to make at least the same amount of money I would have made staying at the job I was at. So that was a big goal. I was able to achieve that. I actually ended up doing a good bit of work for that company as like they were, they became a client. How did you get from two to seven? Like, was there some big projects or what? The big jump, you know, I was doing all the survey work and we built it up enough where it was just too much for me to do it all. And so I hired a surveyor to kind of put all 80% of the work on his plate. I'm still obviously involved, but he's able to do the vast majority of the field work you know, he does most of the work. I'm just sort of checking it and answering questions as, as needed. So I did that. And then the other thing that really helped me grow was at that point, you know, I own the company outright. And so I brought in a business partner last November, 2016. And that that's what really, I think, allowed the company to take off just and 
because it freed up time for you to do other things or it was both it it kind of freed up time and it just the person that I brought in is, is a fantastic engineer and so she brought a lot of work to the table it just allowed the company to grow we had overlapping skill set but she sort of had this very similar to the way I had with the surveying she had a very strong structural engineering background and there was a similar thing going on where there were some older structural engineers that were retiring that wanted to retire and there was sort of this gap there was like not a young company doing structural engineering and so she was able to hmm. you know pull in a ton of work and then we kind of did the same thing she hired once she built it up so much that I could see that she was doing too much work, I was like, we need to hire a really good structural engineer to do all this work for you or the majority of it so that you can start doing the other things we need to do as business owners, like go out and get more work. That's kind of how we've grown it from there. We sort of build up enough work to justify the person and then we look for that right person. And we've been blessed. It's been just people that we know. So we're very familiar with their work. We're more focused on that fit from a cultural standpoint, you know, our, our company is really more mission driven. We're not necessarily like profit driven. And so we've been hiring people that, you know, share that same philosophy as us that, you know, we, we do a lot of pro bono work. We're very interested in helping out in the community. You know, hopefully that our website will be up by the time you, this podcast goes <laughs> live and everyone can see it and, and that'll, that'll really explain it better but we do have like a you know a formalized program where we keep track of how many hours that we donate how much money that we donate to nonprofits, and that's wow. drives our whole company that's the most important part of our company and what we're doing i'm gonna get back to the website in a second because i had a question about that for you but at what point did you decide that you wanted to seek out a partner i knew that really from the very beginning it just took me maybe a year and a half or two years to finally convince someone. Okay. But I knew it from when I started. I was just like, it's too much for one person to do. And I didn't like that sort of top-down approach. Like I own the whole company and I like to hire employees that can challenge me. But, you know, I needed somebody that owned part of the company that could really challenge me and vice versa. Right. Just to make sure that we're staying on track. And, and again, and then obviously just for the purpose of being able to go on a vacation, you know, if you own the company outright, I mean, you can never go out of town and right. enjoy a vacation. And so, I mean, it seems like a silly idea to, you know, give half of your company to someone for not very much money at all. So you can go on vacation. <laughs> so you can go on vacation, but, you know, going on vacation is a nice thing. Well, like you said, it gets back to what you, what we started talking about in the beginning is you want to always make sure that you enjoy what you do. Having another partner, to me, seems like a way, a beneficial thing in a, for a lot of reasons. I mean, listen, it's beneficial for the business in a lot of ways because there's two people, she brings another skill set to the table. I mean, there's a lot of benefits from a business decision, but I think also personally, definitely, or certainly provides some benefits. But the question I wanted to ask you about with your website was, because I did go to your website in doing some of the prep work for the podcast, and it's one static page, essentially. Basically, what I thought when I went to the website was, I know how well you guys are doing and to be able to do that well with a one-page static website, again, means that you're relying a lot on relationships, basically, and relationship building, which I know is a big part of your philosophy. So, I mean, I would just assume that that's the case, right? Yeah. And, and I've actually, I mean, we've been in meetings where, you know, we have a sign, like a really nice signed contract and we're kicking off the work and the client's even like, well, I went 
and I saw you didn't even have a website. And I'm just like, well, like you already signed the contract. You hired us, right? I was like, why do I need one? And in engineering, it's it's different. Not a lot of engineering companies get work because they have a website, I don't believe. Right. And so it's a little different. I'm very particular about doing things. So it's, you know, there's sort of that checklist when you have a company. Right. And I feel like some companies feel like, well, I need to check all this stuff off website, mission statement, vision statement. And so we're just trying to be very intentional with it in particular in the fact that we want those things to mean something. We don't want to just do them to cross them off the list and not think about them. We're, we're kind of anticipating that really laying the groundwork for our company. I mean, our company has been around three years, but it's almost like, I almost think it, it really didn't start until I brought my business partner in. That was almost the very beginning. Like the first year was really me just being impatient and leaving my job early, <laughs> trying to generate revenue to then open a company in a, in a more tangible way and really just to kind of show a potential business partner they're like look it's easy like you can do this too it's easy it was like a proof of concept so to speak essentially yeah or just impatience it kind of on my end uh, i was just sort of like i need to go ahead and jump into this so bob it sounds like in, in talking with you i mean the business itself sounds like it's going well but i think what i like about your philosophy is it's very you're very focused on the culture of your firm. You're very focused on delivering to your clients. You're very focused on giving back to the community. Is that mindset just something that's evolved with you over life? You know, I've sort of like pulled pieces from every company I've worked for and kind of cobbled them together. If I was a 25-year-old, like this is the company I would want to work for. You know, that's sort of the company I'm trying to build. It sounds too like you're very open and, you know, you really try to communicate these things to your team. Definitely. Yeah. I'm uh, very much an open book as far as it relates to the company with employees. And so it's, you know, what we always told them because we'll, we'll find that comes up sometimes where if we hire a new employee, they're sometimes a little hesitant to, you know, call me or call my business partner, Jenny, or text with us or whatever. And then I've told them, I've said, look, I'd like you to respect each other in the sense of, you know, make sure it's okay to call somebody at eight o'clock at night or on a Saturday. But I was like, but me and Jenny, I'm like, you can contact us whenever. I was like, we own the company. I was like, if if you have a question for us or you need to know something, I was like, I can sleep easier knowing that you know to call me right away versus being like, well, I, I don't know if I can tell tell them this is what's happening. Like, just let us know. Again, we, we own the company. So essentially, one way you could think of it is like I'm working 24 hours a day, or you could say I'm never working because, you know, we enjoy what we're doing. But it's sort of definitely, it's all blurred together. It's not really a line of I'm off the clock and now leave me alone. As we start to wrap up here, and I appreciate Bob giving us some time. It's actually, it was Mardi Gras week down in New Orleans, which is a fun time for everybody and a crazy time. But Bob, so where do you go from here? I know you don't have everything mapped out, and I think there's probably some, some good in that, but from where you sit right now, from a big picture perspective, what do you think about on a day-to-day -day basis with your company at this point? We just hired another engineer in the beginning of February, um, a landscape architect who's also an engineer. We just sort of focus on making sure that work is coming in, that we have stuff lined up, that we're delivering high-quality work, but from a big picture standpoint, it's we're interested in probably growing this office to anywhere from like 10 to 15 people. You know, we, we're already halfway there. But being that we're small, again, we really 
have that focus on culture. And, you know, me and Jenny are always talking about people that we would potentially want to work at our company and really trying to, you know, plan that out ahead of time. Because that's really how it's worked. I mean, the people that work at this company right now, most of them, I mean, I had their name written down a long time ago. So it's it's just sort of really trying to find the right group of people and encourage them to work together and just make it a fun work environment. Do you think it will be challenging to keep this kind of a culture as a company grows? In the beginning, it's hard from the standpoint of, you know, when you only have three people at the company, the next person you hire is 25% of the company. So if they're the wrong person, you know, if they're the wrong cultural fit, then all of a sudden 25% of your company is not working correctly. And so as you have enough people, it's like, in a way, I think it's going to be easier to assimilate people into it and they'll understand it because they'll see more people setting that example for them. But I think it's just become harder for us to find the right people. Because again, we've hired people, we knew them for a long time. So we got, we got to know them and we knew that they would fit. And so I think it's the hard part is going to be when we, we start hiring people that we don't know, you know, it's sort of having to figure out how, to, how do we know that they're going to fit or not fit. Right. And so that's, that's going to be the, the trickier part for us. And then, you know, just as you grow, it's, it's interesting. You have to kind of think of the finances of a company. You think, I think of very differently than my personal finances, just because it becomes a lot more money, like pretty quickly. We don't let that drive our decisions and what we do, but we also, you can't ignore it either. You know, you need, you need uh, money in the bank account to, sure. to do all those great things that you say you want to do. You know, when you talk about paying employees well and giving them the tools they need to do their job, but that all costs money. So really we need to keep an eye on that. And once we get the website up, you'll maybe get a better understanding of where we're trying to go with it, but it's been challenged because you know, we haven't really found like a concrete example of sort of like, well, a company is doing what we're trying to do when we search for a while. And, you know, we see it in companies sometimes that have nothing to do with engineering. They're sort of doing it in from a cultural standpoint, what we what we, we would like to achieve, but there's not really a great example of an engineering firm. So I'm curious to see the feedback we get. I mean, we've shared it, our business ideas with people that we're friends with, but I'm kind of curious to see what some, I'm, I'm sure I'll get comments from some people once the website's up and, and you know, over 50% of the website is going to be about work that we do as pro bono work, you know, but then at the same time we did, you know, over a million dollars in revenue last year. You know, again, maybe it's my overall life philosophy. It's like, you can't control everything. So it's like, there's no point of focusing so much on the money and trying to control it. And it's almost, for me, the less I focus on it, it seems like the better you do with it. When you're pushing something too hard, it doesn't go any fast. It's not going to help you anymore. So we've been talking with Bob Moore here of Betcher Engineering, and we're going to take a break for one minute and come back and just wrap up in our CE Hot Seat segment. A few more questions for Bob. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. All right, now it's time for our CE Hot Seat segment where we're going to pepper up Bob with a few last questions. But before we do that, I do want to just recognize our sponsor once again for today's episode, PPI. Do you want to advance in your career but not sure where to start? All of us have been there at one point. One surefire way to grow in your profession is to get your civil engineering license. The best place to gather info on civil licensure and pick from multiple review options 
is ppitopass.com. PPI has helped over 4 million engineers pass their licensure exam and become leaders in their fields. Visit ppitopass.com to learn how you can start preparing for your exam right away and take one step closer to career advancement. That's PPI, the number two, pass.com. For a little extra encouragement, I have a 20% off promo code available to listeners of this podcast. Use promo code TCE8 on PPI's website for an exclusive 20% discount. Again, that's promo code TCE and the number eight. All right, now it's time for our CE Hot Seat segment. Just going to pepper Bob with a few last questions here. All right, Bob, first question. Are there any specific rituals that you practice every day? Like, do you have a morning ritual or you do something at lunchtime every day or anything that you might do consistently on a daily basis that you feel has contributed to your success? I try to have a morning ritual a little bit, but, you know, the last like year and a half, I would try to meditate once a day for like 10 minutes, just using like an app. And I find that that's been helpful just to like set the tone for the day. It kind of puts me, you know, just de-stresses me and makes me take a step back and, you know, and just realize that nothing, you know, nothing is really important on a day-to-day basis. There are 99% of what's happening on a daily basis is not really that important. So I find that helps. That's great. Bob, is there one book that you recommend to engineers regularly or just one book that you found to be extremely helpful in your professional or or personal development? Oh, gosh, I read so many books. I like this called Arts Principles. And it's this guy, Arthur Gensler, and he's owned like an AEC firm for about 50 years. And it's just like the lessons. Right. That he's giving out. I don't know if you're familiar with the book. I think one of our other guests, Will Schneer, CEO of Big Red Dog, I think he recommended that one as well. Okay, good. Well, I'm in good company then. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Final question here for Bob Mora. This is our civil engineering career elevator advice question. So Bob, if you got into an elevator with a civil engineer and you had about 30 to 40 seconds with him or her and you had to give him or her career advice in that short period of time, what would it be? It would just focus on people. When you're selling services, you're just it's relationships, and so just focus on on people and what you can do to help people, and not just the people that you perceive to be important right now, but you know the people that you like to be around. You know, like don't don't focus on the result. Like I'm gonna go become friends with this person because they can do this for me. Like just sort of say who are the people that I feel drawn to and that I enjoy being around and just focus on them and what you can do to help them. And they're going to reciprocate and uh, you'll have an enjoyable career. That would be my advice. All right. So Bob Mora, again, from Bachelor Engineering, thank you so much for spending some time with us here today. And I know that soon we'll get to see Bob's website and his real kind of the master plan of the company. And I believe the website is better, B-A-T-T-U-R-E-E-N-G.com, right? Yes, that's correct. All right. Well, Bob, thanks again for spending time with us. Really appreciate you talking about your philosophy and the experience that you've had. Great. Thank you so much, Anthony. Well, I hope that you enjoyed that interview with Bob as much as I did. It's really great to hear a civil engineer that's trying to make such big change kind of on his own. You know, he left and did it on his own. And now, of course, he's found a partner and built a powerful team around it. And we wish Bob all the best. Before we sign off, I just want to remind you that. 
the Engineering Career Coach, is now the Engineering Management Institute. Please check out our new website at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org and be sure to click on the training tab because we've now modified our online Engineering Management Accelerator workshop. And while we still have the online version available at engineer2manager.com, that's engineer2manager.com, on our main website, you can also see that we've adapted it into a live one-day training and we'll be giving the training in Austin, Texas, April 12th, New Brunswick, New Jersey, April 27th, and Orlando, Florida, May 18th. And we'll cover communication skills. We will cover networking skills. We will cover productivity, how to build expertise in public speaking, and also how to develop your leadership skills all in one day. And there's five PDHs as well if you need them as a bonus. So again, go to engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. Click on training. You can check out all the events. There's flyers. There's event pages. We're making it very easy to seek reimbursement from your firm to attend these events. Please remember you can find the show notes for this episode at civilengineeringpodcast.com. Look for episode number 78. There you'll find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books mentioned during the episode. You can leave a question in the comments section or visit the contact us tab on our website. We monitor all comments and will respond if you leave us one. Until next time, I wish you the best in all of your civil engineering career endeavors. Thank you for listening to the Civil Engineering Podcast. Be sure to visit civilengineeringpodcast.com where you can listen to past episodes and also submit your project to be featured on the show. We also invite you to visit our main website at engineeringcareercoach.com and download a free three-part video series created specifically for engineers to help you best utilize LinkedIn for networking, improve your communication and speaking skills, and also help to develop your leadership abilities. Now is the time to engineer your own success. 